1: I thought it might be fun with the Microsoft event coming up this week on the future of windows to talk a little bit about our, maybe our predictions, our suspicions, and then just, you know, for a bit, I don't think we have a, well, maybe we'll see how long we can go, but, um, and then maybe merge that together with our post event analysis. Once we actually find out what the news is, could be fun.
0: Yeah, it's a good idea. It's, it's funny. Yeah, I mean, it's every time I listen to a podcast and someone talks about Windows 11, I think mm-hmm. I should chat about it. And I always forget to send you a text message. So I'm glad you remembered.
1: Is that what you think is going to happen, Windows 11?
0: Um, yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, a, a lot of people have made um, mention that you know, at one point, Windows. Uh, Microsoft said they'd never make another Windows. Um, but i think the reality of the world uh you know pandemic included is that windows 10 has been pretty much a failure um and that's probably a strong word for some people but I, i think it's a pretty poor um operating system um so i think that in order to to re-establish themselves they had to do a, ne- a new version and hopefully it's an improvement but it doesn't sound like it's going to be it is ironic that a lot of the things people are talking about is, is it's becoming more and more mac like um rounded corners and and that sort of thing um but i think that if, if they're not rewriting the, the base or redoing the base then i think um it's just it's just lipstick on a pig
1: mm. Yeah, it certainly seems like they're teasing the Windows 11 idea so strongly that it would be surprising if it were anything else. Um, There's that video they put out that was 11 minutes long. They're having the event at 11 a.m. Eastern. Mm. I saw that there's an end of life date now for Windows 10. So... All of those things together certainly do seem to point to a new operating system. But yeah, people are surprised because they did brand Windows 10 as the last version of Windows as Windows as a service evergreen. Um, This is it. So we're just going to update this. Um, But, you know, as you mentioned, there's been a lot of frustration with Aspects of Windows 10, I think a lot of it for, on the IT side has been the the frequency of the updates and just Mm kind of keeping up with, you know, rolling those updates in, kind of looking at, did it break anything, um, and having to sort of make that more of a continual management process versus like a, you know, a longer, having more time in between. Yeah. Did you, did you, I mean, how is managing windows 10 better for you? Well, I mean,
0: so, so the last big organization I worked in was still on windows seven. Um, and I remember speaking to the CIO at the time and asking him, do you think we'll ever go windows 10? And he kind of gave me the look like, I don't actually think we will. Um, but he said, I don't know, but that kind of was code for, I don't think we ever will. Um, Because I think the reality is for for a big corporate, most of your users are are using some sort of application. And most of those applications are browser-based. So as long as you've got a stable OS that can supply the browser, you don't necessarily need to have a a Windows device. Now, that's not to say you don't need something that can provide the Office tools. And I think the Office tools are are great tools. but you, could, but like I say, I think I think the the problem has always been Windows 10, um, and I know that that in, in conversations with with sort of my peers at the time at different different banks in that there was huge frustration around the and they were running Windows 10 around the performance and the lack thereof um, of their applications on Windows 10. You know, huge issues with with Excel, um, not even using any add-ins, just using Excel, there were problems. Um, so I guess the, the thing that I, I think about when you talk about manageability is you know what are you, are you, are you managing the, the ability of users to do work in
1: some you know, complicated way and then you need to support them? or are you
0: just trying to manage the stability of a platform that you brought in? And you know if I look at Windows 10, not that I have direct exposure, but just just anecdotal stuff I heard, it was almost more difficult to use Windows 10 than to not use
1: Windows 10. So if you stuck with Windows 7, for example, which I know we did, um, it was a much more stable platform so we
0: could actually deal with the complicated stuff we had to deal with. Um, whereas the other guys that were suffering through Windows 10 were suffering with the basics um, and,
1: and that was always a concern for us. Um, the other thing that I found
0: interesting, and I remember sitting in a, someone presented their approach, the sort of ring approaches. but I found different between Windows 7 and Windows 10 is that Microsoft almost moved their UAT from their own testing people to the actual to, to their customers. So you could be an early adopter. You could be, uh, you know, depending on what ring you're in, um, and you're getting exposed to things a lot sooner, but a lot sooner stuff, which was also unstable. Um, and if you weren't careful, and if you checked your updates too often, you almost got moved up a ring, um, without really realizing that you you were in for more pain. And I think that also created um, a lot of frustration. I mean, I know my, my frustration, um, and I think this is, this is also due to, to a hardware consideration, um, trying to accommodate all the different devices, et cetera, led to a lot of driver problems and a lot of, you know, you know those simple problems became big problems. Um, which, to be honest, I haven't found in the world. I found the world to be a lot simpler. And that's where I think it needs to get to. So my my hope and my dream, I guess, for, for the Windows world is that they, they've cut a lot of the complexity away and they've, they're gonna deliver a simpler OS that does what it's supposed to do, that's more stable, and doesn't require a lot of hand-holding and management. Um, that's what I'm hoping, but we'll see what comes out.
1: We'll see. Yeah, well, you're talking about the all of the um, sort of manageability aspects of Windows 10. I mean, I know there are still organizations today transforming from Windows 7 to Windows 10 or a lot of organizations that have made that change just within the last year or two. Um, so I expect the enterprise will lag on Windows you know windows 11 it's going to be probably many many years later before we see mass adoption of that in the enterprise um
0: well yeah another point i was going to make about windows 7 is, is i know a few corporates that, that paid the the fees to keep windows extended
1: 7. support
0: yeah because they just didn't want to move to to windows 10. um and and i think windows 10 just comes with so much bloat um i don't know if you remember our conversation with with jed from from Agile, you know, they are, the, the, Linux operating system is a gig. The windows operating system is like 21 gigs, but in essence, they do pretty much the same thing. Uh, okay. okay that's probably an oversimplification, but it's probably not. Um, you know, if I, I, install, I was just installed a Linux distribution on this windows laptop that I had. Um, if that was a gig and I can do pretty much everything I could do on the windows device. Um, with LibreOffice, um, and it it runs like a dream. You know, none of the blue screens I was having, all that stuff stopped. So there there is definitely a lot of question marks. Um, and I think the it's also a competitive landscape. I think there's there are other options now. Um, you can go with the Chromebook, you can go with the Mac, you can go with the Linux distribution. And I wonder how many corporates with the with the right sort of Design, we'd look at something else and use this as an opportunity to look at something else.
1: I I mean, I'm sure it's looking at the future too of cloud computing overtaking Mm. everything. And when all of your applications are SaaS and everything's a web app that people use for productivity, you know, the browser is what you need. Um, What that browser runs on becomes less significant. So, I think yeah. perhaps a future proofing. Mm-hmm.
0: And you look at and you look at uh, at some strategic decisions that Microsoft's made, in that's it. So, so they had their Edge browser, which was built one way, and then all of a sudden they redid it as a Chromium-based browser, very much like most most browsers, Brave, Chrome, uh, Chrome etc., Chromium-based. And one of the things that that Google pushes down quite heavily on is is progressive web apps, which which for me is, is something that I've even spoke to your, your big boss about a few times um, in that you instrument because a lot of applications, and, and again, it comes back to the OS being simplified, you could probably get away with a very simple app that's built as a web, website, uh, web application, as a PWA that a user could use offline and then synchronizes back when it comes back on using HTML5. That um, takes away so much pain for an app packaging team, app development team, et cetera, because they don't have to go and build a thick client anymore. They don't have to go and, uh, and you're not, gonna, you're not gonna escape necessarily some heavy applications like Visual Studio. That's still a heavy application. That's still three gigs or whatever it is. But they built Visual um, Studio code using Electron. They built teams using Electron. Um, those are all JavaScript frameworks um, that allow for multi-platform delivery. Um, so, so again, it comes down to, you know, the, the operating system is becoming less of a de- denominator, uh, and what it should be about, which is what we always talk about is the end user experience and the ability to get work done without, a, without friction.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the number one. And it's, um, you know, people are using, so many devices now for productivity. Um, And a lot of that is again enabled by web apps and you know, you can move from your laptop to your tablet, to your phone and um, around again. So it's less about the Windows desktop.
0: And I think, yeah, and I think to your point about the sort of cloud services or the Windows desktop as a service, I think there's still gonna be a place for that. And, and i would i would rather use windows through a, a remote desktop section session into a cloud desktop than use it on a laptop directly and, I, and it might sound counterintuitive but I, I would believe that if it's in windows virtual desktop or, or what do they call it as a micro is it an azure. azure it's azure, azure right?
1: virtual desktop avd
0: um if it's in there then I would believe that it's, it's, it's a much more stable build. It's got, you know, it's been put together properly. Um, and all those those hardware variables that cause so much pain are, are, are basically cut out, then it would make sense. Um, and I think the other thing which, which I've been playing a bit with this week is we're doing a webinar on the 14th of, of July on, on robot, robotic process automation. A lot of that stuff is gonna play its part where, as you say, you you're on your phone, you do something, then you go to your desktop to do something, and you go to your your tablet to do something. Uh, and those things all need to integrate together to probably deliver something else, which removes your manual steps. So what I was doing, for example, this week, I've been working on a we're getting some data out of an API. I need that to spit out to an Excel spreadsheet. But I, I want it to be done in such a way that that the people that need it can ask a Teams channel bot to say, send us the spreadsheet. So then I'll go pull the latest spreadsheet, they'll go dump it to a OneDrive folder, and they can get it whenever they need it. Um, okay, look, it does take a few hours to run so they can get it probably the next morning. But the point is um, they're enabled and they can pick it up on whatever platform they're on because Teams is on most platforms now. Um and I think that's that's true to what you're saying in the sense of the you know it's a multi-channel environment now. Any device, any time, anywhere.
1: hmm Yeah, so looking forward to watching that announcement. I did and I I know I mentioned we had a webinar scheduled at the same time, which we planned, you know, prior to Microsoft announcing the event, but we moved ours up an hour. So I will be watching, watching the Windows event live. So looking forward to that this week and all the news that will pour out after that. Now we can come back to it and add add what really happened and we'll see if they change anything surprising.
0: Well, I think they've got you know, another point is that, that Windows is quite a big revenue spender for them. I mean, it's not, it's not as pretty big as Azure is now. Um, but it is the way that, that, that Microsoft stays in the enterprise. Um,
1: so hopefully they've, they've listened to to some of the pain that people have had and they've improved on
0: that too. It'll be interesting to see because um, it comes out quite soon and that, and that it's already been leaked out into uh, into China so that it can be pirated and shared around. Um, yeah, that's almost the, the, the standard... Um, Way to release a product nowadays is you, is you you let a let a bit of it gets, get leaked out first to get a bit of uh, indication and then you mm. you do the, the official.
1: I hadn't seen that. I saw some yeah, just some some images. I didn't know there was. A... Yeah,
0: supposedly there was a Windows. Yeah, let me let me see if I can find the article. there was a Windows 11 leak. Um, which uh uh, windows 11 leak china was it china could be yeah so so it's um six days ago It's even on the verge uh and it was first published on a chinese site called uh, baidu um so i mean it's they've 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 censored the 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 start menu so that now it up in the middle of the screen. Um, here's the 11 minute video on this link, so I can, can, we can share the link uh, and you can always roll it back. So it looks like Windows 10, to be honest, with a little bit of facelift, so.
1: Yeah, I'd seen that, the centered start menu, but the ability to easily revert that if you don't wanna change.
0: Yeah, the other thing that they've, they've never really gotten clear is the store, the Windows store, because you have your Windows store, which is like your, your, your public stuff, and then I know as a company we've got a, a, an application store as well. Uh, and now there's mention of, a, of an Android store as well inside there to run Android apps. Uh, but I haven't really understood how that's all going to work. So that would be interesting to see as well. Lots of questions, not many answers at this one. Yeah would you um if it
1: came out now would you upgrade Well, I only use Windows at work so if I yeah I mean if I if I had the option to be in the first ring or whatnot of test systems um, for that i I probably would just to see what it's all about um I mean I haven't had the best luck with Windows 10. So I'm not really, you know, I've already, I guess, experienced the pain from a stability perspective on 10. So I'd almost rather try 11 than go through another Windows 10 update.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Actually, I was going to edit last night and um, a Windows update had, I, I couldn't launch my editing software. So I had to do some, had to, um kind of troubleshoot that and look into the issue which was related to a windows update so experienced that in the just a few really a few hours ago so so uh oh keenly aware of that pain
0: yeah you know it's, it's it's i mean what i found frustrating about it is that the um you know, you, you like I leave my laptop running all overnight, and I've got stuff that's running usually. And you come in the next morning, and your machine's just restarted, and it's, it's either off, or it's restarted, depending on what your settings are. And it's not a planned update for you; it's just happened. And that that's something that that um, you know you, you can dig around, you can turn that off. But that's like the worst user experience you could have, because imagine you had you know, Excel spreadsheets, open PowerPoints, whatever it is that you hadn't necessarily saved. We'd saved, but for some reason it didn't save the latest changes or corrupted it because it restarted while you were busy working on it. You know, and there's there's no sort of accountability on that, which I always find frustrating. Look, not to say that Apple would do anything either, um, but it just, you know, I don't don't have that problem with my Apple devices. They they stay on all the time um, until you restart them. Even if there's an update, they tell you an update, and they'll and they'll schedule it with you. But it's just that is handled so well that it sets the expectation that, that everyone should be the same at that minimum level. And just I, I just hope this upgrade from from Microsoft is is really an upgrade and not just lipstick on a pig. Maybe we should call it the episode lipstick on a pig.
1: Mm. Well, <laughs> we'll see. I'll. I'll... I'll be more optimistic than than that, you know, just hold out to see what happens with the announcement. But yeah, I think uh, the if it's a business version of Windows 10, you can change that auto upgrade. But I think the consumer versions, I don't think you can turn that off, right? You just, it auto updates for you when it does? Um,
0: You can do something in the registry but you've got to know where to go and you've got to know what to change. Um, in fact, I think um, Steve Gibson wrote a utility uh, that does it. The other thing you can do is when you license your windows, you can go on the, the long upgrade path, which basically means you don't get new features, you only get security updates. Um, but I don't know how, how effective that is. Yeah, I think it's it's almost the less is more for me with Windows. They, they need to do less things well and do more things badly.
1: Well, hopefully, uh, the next Windows is a good one. So.
0: Sorry, no, you're being very positive. I mean, very negative.
1: No, it's okay. <laughs> I just, you know, it's It's still, it, you know, for its um, its flaws, it's still the most widely used operating system. Um. And one that, you know, our audience will, uh, you know, perhaps a lot of them will be involved in rolling out in some capacity or using in their work environment. So, and, you know, I'll probably have to use it. So I guess I want to be optimistic as a user that'll it be a good experience.
0: Look, I'm in the same boat. You see, unfortunately, I'm, I'm one of the two users that uses Mac in the whole business. So everyone else uses Windows. So I have no choice but to run a Windows device. So I know all the, you know, if anything goes wrong, I know exactly how it feels. Um, so unfortunately, I'm not, I'm not completely divorced from it. But uh, that's, and that's why I hope there's been a level of listening to the customer as opposed to doing what, what they want. And, and that's probably the problem with, you see, I, I mean, I should probably say that in another way, Microsoft's got some great stuff. I mean, I think Azure works really well. There's some really good things inside of Azure that we use all the time, which you know are, are great and very impressive. Um, the problem that, that I find with Microsoft is it's, it's so disjointed that you can have such a good experience on one side and then you know such a poor experience on another side. And there's almost no one pulling that all together to give the ultimate, you know, seamless experience. And maybe that's because they're trying to do too much. Um, as I said, um, whereas you look at the, at the sort of Apple world, they only do what they do. You know, they haven't launched a new product really in a long time. I mean, everything is, is it's same products over and over again. I mean, we're probably going to see in the future, some sort of, um, eyewear or, or some other wearable, um, that'll naturally be the next product. But it'll just fit into all the other products. It won't be a completely you know, you're not gonna go and see them build a whole cloud cloud business to to operate. They they focus on their consumer slash enterprise hardware, et cetera, for the customer. Um, going back to Microsoft, you know, they've got Azure which is which is really you know a strong offering. they um, they got the Windows world, they've got the Xbox world, they've got they um, there's another business line. I can't think of it. I know what it is. But, but all those things are very different businesses that are, oh, they got the hardware business with surfers. Um mm-hmm. All of those are, are they should be common to mention, they should all tie together, but it doesn't feel like anyone's actually tying them together.
1: Hmm.
0: Which is my observation at least.
1: Maybe we can uh, tie up on this subject, but I don't know if you saw the... Um, the next Mac uh, OS version that will be coming out will have some features that you that will you only get if you have the um, hardware with an M1 chip. Had you seen that? No, I
0: hadn't seen that. Let me see.
1: That's that's all I know about it. I don't know if it's kind of been revealed yet. What features um, won't be supported for other hardware? But I thought that kind of piqued my interest because I do have Apple devices without that chip. And I was like, Oh, how long until I get aged out because of that, that's kind of a new thing.
0: Yeah. Look, I think that's going to be quick. Um, mm-hmm. so I don't know how old your do machines are, but, uh, you know, when, when the budget allows, I would, I would be trading in and moving on. Um, purely because I would expect that all the new stuff, I mean, even even the iPads and all that stuff, I think those would also switch to an M1 of some sort. Um, but it's, it's it, you know, again, it sets it up for a whole lot of new things that, that are useful uh, as opposed to, you know, not useful, uh, which is a really great way of saying it. But, you know, every every time there's been a major update, you've ended up with more power, more stuff you could do, um and being able to do it
1: whereas um and and with with the investment
0: sure but you can still operate i mean i know guys are just losing ipad ones um i'll be very badly and very slowly but they you know for reading books and and what they even browse the web it still works um it's only when you want to do, do the more interesting stuff like using handoff or like I write something on my iPad and it appears on my my screen
1: on my on my Mac. You need to do just for that. You know, thankfully I none of my devices are uh new. So I don't I'm not I'm sure there are people out there who, you know, bought newer hardware not too long ago and will have uh, sort of a harder time with uh you know being aged out as as fast. Um but
0: Look, You know, I, I was, I really wanted to buy a, a Mac last year and, and I thankfully heard the rumors of the M1 chip and I, and I waited and I waited and I waited and we just got a good deal here, so I did it. Um, but the things that I'm looking at now, which, which is why I think it's going to be useful to, to get to the, to get the newest hardware, I mean, my, my iPad Pro, I'll give another two years before I probably replace that. Um, although, you know, having now used it as a sidecar screen, um, you know, so I've now had my Mac and I've had my iPad next to each other and I've worked between the two. I would probably go for a bigger screen next time because it actually worked really well. Um, but I would see the, the new chip, the M1 chip, being the base for more machine learning, more voice recognition, more um, sort of those sort of applications which is which is really useful stuff when you talk about edge computing so being able to interact with your device to write emails using dictation um i mean you can do that now but it's not great but i would think with the with the better chips that they got and and some of the stuff they've been saying here around their their voice and, and video analysis that'll get better um which will open the door to more smart things so back to the integration of services You know, controlling your house, um, being able to work more efficiently. So that's that's interesting stuff. But I think that's very early days still. I mean, even, you know, we're talking probably two years from now, you'll see real benefit to that. Um, The other thing which I found interesting um, when you mentioned the new OS is they're bringing shortcuts to the Mac OS. Now, that's 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 probably been only on, on the tablet and iPhone. Um, but that's pretty useful stuff for mean, being able to write little shortcuts that, you know, automate stuff in your desktop. Um, I think that's also quite a, quite a big thing And that, and that doesn't exist in the in the market, the world at all. Really go power automate and power automate desktop, but those are very techie kind of tools, um, to write a simple shortcut, to move a file from here to here every time it happens that almost is too complicated and it's almost too simple to use the tools for, but it's too complicated to actually deliver in the tools. If if that makes sense.
1: Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, you know, one of Apple's strengths is that, um, they make some complex things easier for the masses and maybe they're not as customizable or they have a limitation, um, that, you know, if you did it in windows, you wouldn't have, but, um, they're easier to adopt.
0: Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to watch how this all develops over the next couple of months.
1: Yeah, well, we can uh, touch base later this week after the announcement and see how how right we were or wrong we were. Well, <laughs> I, did, I, to don't that. See,
0: I don't know if you saw the article I sent you this morning about Nuance. Mm. That oh, no, I didn't. Microsoft's finally completed their deal to buy Nuance. Um, now, Nuance is the, is the holding company for Dragonspeak. So this is another one where um, obviously natural language processing is, is the big nut to crack at the moment. If you can, if you can figure out how to turn people's voice into um, actual data, that drives a whole lot of things. Uh, and Nuance really specialised in the healthcare space. So you know doctors do in dictation when they're doing surgeries or patient um, activities. Um, but they also built a healthcare cloud. So it's, the article kind of mentioned um, that Microsoft was looking at buying them for two reasons. One was the, the natural language AI, and the other one is for what's in that healthcare cloud um, to strengthen the, the healthcare offering.
1: Are there, two, are there two things related, the NLP and the health cloud, or are they...? Yeah, so, so what
0: um, uh, Nuance has been doing for years is they built DragonSpeak. Um, so Dragon Speak is sure That's that's probably the de facto dictation software. So if you want to if you want to just talk and, and make it right, Dragon Speak was mm-hmm. the one. To go with. And, I, and I don't know the space that well, but I, I remember you know sort of talking to various people uh, who, who use dictation a lot, and not, not one of them mentioned anyone else but Dragon Speak. They, they tried so many others, and Dragon Speak was the was the one to go with. It was expensive, but but it did the job, and. Um, what, what the article was saying is that the, um, you know, Microsoft's been trying to buy them since April, and they finally got the antitrust approval to finish the deal. And it's cost them, I think it was $19 billion or $16 billion. And that's just, you know, 4 billion below what they paid for LinkedIn. Um, so it makes it the second biggest acquisition, I think. Um, and that's, and as I say, it's the AI engine that does the NLP which, you know, having done quite a lot of NLP based solutions, that's a very difficult space to, um, I mean, text you can get away with because, you know, it's, it's not the spoken word, but spoken word with accents and all that sort of stuff is very difficult. And your key to breaking that uh, problem down is context. You need to know what the phrase, when this person says the phrase, what context are they in when they say it? Because it can mean a lot of different things. Um, so, so the thinking, at least in the article, is that they bought it for the, for the AI engine, but they also bought it for the healthcare cloud that Nuance has been building. Because that gives you context, which, which really um, you know, gives them uh, not only a stronger play in the healthcare space, but it gives them a, a blueprint to take into other spaces. Um, where you know something like insurance, for example, which ties in quite closely with healthcare in some respects, but it's also one of those that's very jargon based and very um, um, uh, acronym heavy. Uh, and the other one, which I would see, would be in, in the transport logistics, so aviation, shipping, um, in in rail, uh, again where there's, there's there's lots of jargon, lots of uh, and context is key um so interesting acquisition uh yeah also takes it off the menu for other uh, for other big companies so you know your likes of amazon or, or apple even uh although i mean there's probably you know many very many uh vendors building uh various solutions in the space that that are are good um but maybe not as recognized as, as dragon and nuance
1: yeah or maybe not as as enterprise ready because i think as you um, as you point out, a lot of them you know, at least in my experience are decent with you know smart speakers and stuff are decent with sort of simple phrases. but I imagine if you're yeah, as you mentioned in healthcare and insurance in an industry where there's jargon or just terms that um you know the systems might not be as good as uh at picking up on you know that matters a lot in you know, the enterprise environment. So, and we really haven't seen a ton of penetration of this kind of technology yet in the enterprise. It's been, you know, IOT has sort of been discussed, but yeah.
0: Yeah, so, so we, we were doing some stuff, um, oh geez, many years ago, probably talking 2012, 2013, with using uh, voice biometrics to identify, uh, uh, call in from a, from a user uh, and I've just done something now with, uh, with a health provider where they're using it to validate that the, the, the claimant calling in is who they say they are so you can set it up you know whatever it is. and you do see it in the banks where it's a way of authorizing that, you're, that you are who you say you are but that's pretty much where it's, it's limited at this point and it's really saying you know um, you know my name is Ryan and this is my password is the phrase and that gets you in there's no there's no nothing else to it the the next step is that you basically phone and you say you know i'm calling in to do an authorization for a tooth implant i'd like to have it done at so and so hospital by so and so doctor um can you confirm authorization please and um any any conditions you know just just a whole blurb of sentence or sentences, and then in theory, what would happen is the the mechanism would process all of that, come back, would know who you are by identifying you by a biometric, and then also tell you what you're available to get from your plan. All that sort of processing that that right now requires, you know, you know, if, if you call in now, you talk to a person who's an advisor, um, and then they would have to go through your plan and do the sort of matching, all that kind of stuff. It all takes time. Um, and it takes humans to to do it. In theory, you could get away with um, doing it this other way, using the technology, and you would probably cut away a good twenty percent of your calls, thirty percent of your calls, with with a um, you know higher higher volume. Because the other problem is that if you try and call in right now, there's only so many advisors you can talk to. So your, your time spent on the call is wasted because you're not you're waiting for your your turn. Whereas if you could just call in, say your blurb and have this thing process and respond to you, you could do the call in two minutes, put the phone down and get an email, you know, 15 minutes later with here's your information, here's your authorization code, here's your exclusions, here's your inclusions, blah, 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 from an end user experience point of view, that'd be awesome because, mm-hmm. you know, nothing, nothing makes me cringe more. And I've had to do it, you know, with my daughter twice this last two weeks and myself once it wasted like four hours trying to get hold of someone. And it's not because they're not good or not professional, actually very good. Um, it's just, as a guy was telling me, you know, the minute he puts the phone down, his phone rings again because there's another person in the queue waiting to talk to him. And then he's got to, he doesn't even get a chance. If he has to take a break, he has to book his break in 40 minutes before he wants his break because the calls just get queued on him. Um, so I, I think the, the,
1: the cracking the NLP voice thing it's a huge problem to
0: solve and a, and a very lucrative one because it'll save so much manual time and have a great return i know we've kind of gone on a different tangent but well it's so. still
1: microsoft related and and yeah. you know some new news to watch but um awesome well uh, i probably should tie up here for now and then we can come back and um talk about the uh windows announcement once yeah. that happens,
0: sounds good. Sounds good.
1: All right. So yeah, we're here once again to talk about our impressions of the Windows 11 launch. Now that we've already talked through it, you know, we can be even more. Um, we've got it together. We've got it down. So, um, you know, I guess the the major impression. The, the big change for Windows 11 seemed to be a lot of the look and feel elements so things like centering the taskbar rounded corners transparent overlays um, a lot of design elements so what was your impression of the new sort of face of Windows Ryan
0: yeah so I think uh, I think they went the Mac route um, as much as as much as they could without directly copying. Um, You know, it does look very pretty. It does look very Mac-esque in the sense of, I'm looking at an image now where you've got the right-hand side notification panel that comes over. I mean, that's been in Windows 10, but it was really first in in the Mac ecosystem. Um, That they've tried to clean up the the look and feel to have curved corners um, makes it look like the Mac thing. And I think largely this is driven by them trying to generate good emotions about the platform because the windows platform for a long time and you know i've been up until recently a, a very big windows user now i, I hardly use windows um, and there was a lot of frustration flying around um and largely because it just it was just a clunky heavy over um, over complicated in some cases platform to use whereas the Mac ecosystem is a lot simpler because they control a lot more. Uh, and, and I guess there's, you know, there's lots you can unpack around that. Um, but one of the things that I thought was a good move um, with, with, you know, besides curved corners and that kind of stuff is moving away from a twice a year release cycle or big, big updates to a once a year, which, which I think makes more sense. Um, it also means they can provide a much more stable product uh, as opposed to rushing out you know these sort of every couple months releases that basically break everything for everyone and frustrates everyone as well so
1: yeah so that manageability element is something we talked about in our um our predictions going into it, or at least like what were the historic problems with windows 10 that they could potentially address with windows 11. Um, mm. And it does seem like they made a, a few nods to performance and stability and security in the announcement. So one of those items was a 40% reduction in update size. Um wow and also updates running in the background. So no longer coming in and um, having your machine have started without restarted uh, to install the update and kind of left you in a bad spot there. Uh, They also said um, things would be faster just across the board. So um, yeah, those two things um, performance. Mm -hmm.
0: It's funny you mentioned that point. I was actually trying to do something quickly yesterday. And I had my Windows laptop downstairs for it, so i was going to I'll just log on quickly and I'll just do something um and of course when i when I booted it up, it went straight into an update cycle and in the time it took for me to go upstairs, get my Mac come downstairs, do what I want to do, and come and put put it back upstairs, the windows update cycle finished, and I just thought how do you know how do you allow this stuff out in the world It's just ridiculous um and I'm, and I'm glad they're going to move away, move away from that to almost the silent background downloads that are installing in the background. Cause that's how it should be, you know, for most users, they don't care what, what the update is. They just want to make sure they've got a secure platform they can use.
1: Yeah. I think that's definitely the way to go as well. I mean, you kind of have to strike a balance between, um, knowing that if you, um, give users choice on updates that they tend to delay them i would say most consumers do because you don't want that interruption um mm. but then of course if people delay their updates forever um they get you know security vulnerabilities and performance degrades and it's just not a good experience so i understand they're kind of in a pickle there if um you know, finding the right way to push updates out, especially for the consumer versions, without being disruptive.
0: Yeah, and I think there was a, there was another piece of this which I thought was also a good move is that is they didn't continue or they, they haven't seemed to be continuing with the Windows Store or the, or the Microsoft Store per se, and they almost outsourced that to Amazon to to deliver um, not only a good store experience but also the the Android apps that will run on Windows 11. Uh, I thought that was a good move because they've they've never really, in, I mean, you know, borrowing the odd occasion if you ever installed an app on the, from the store, but they've never really done it to the level that Apple does it. Um, and the only other, one, only other store that really competes with Apple is is the Amazon store. Um, I mean, I don't use Android at all, so I don't know what the Google Play store is like, um, but I use Amazon and that's a pretty good store. So.
1: Yeah, I was gonna ask, even though I know you're an iPhone user. Um, let's say you were an Android user or you're counseling one, or just thinking about it. Do you what phone apps do you envision you'd want to use, you know, on your desktop?
0: Um, well, it's funny, I'm going to do that experience not anyway. Um, mm. with the with the M1 chip, um, you can now run ipad apps and 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 iphone apps on your um, desktop and i can honestly say um there's one that i would would use uh because usually if the if the app exists um for on a phone you'd want to work on a website because the real benefit of having a native app is it's going to be doing something that's native on the phone it's going to have a um well, this is my opinion, at least. It's going to have the GPS coordinates. It's going to have, um, well, you know, GPS capabilities at least. It's going to have the gyro capabilities, um, all that sort of stuff. Other than that, it's, it's going to be some sort of information management app. Um, you know, even even doing my workouts, for example, um, that's just information in order. Um, task management is just the same. So, so website would be fine, and I'd probably look more at a PWA app. Um, you know, than, a, than actually a mobile app being put on the on the device. Um, and if I think about some of the applications that I do use that are that are multi-platform, in the sense that they have a tablet, they have a, a phone, and they have a desktop app, it's they are designed that way. So, my journaling tool, which is um, called Day One, my um, writing app, which is Scrivener, that those have specific apps for each platform. Um, maybe over time it becomes easier for developers just to build one app and have it delivered in the different places. But I still think you have to have some level of control on what's going to be on the UI. So I still think you have to build the UI. Um, so I think in a push, like an, like an urgent situation, like you, you break your phone and you can't see the screen, then you might want to deploy an Android app to your laptop to, to do something. Um, or as an interim like Scrivener, for example, that's a, that's a, a writing app, you know, potentially you could use the mobile version of that on your, on your laptop while you wait for them to build the native one. Um, I, I yeah, I, I, I don't I personally don't see the value, but, but someone must've done some research that said that there was value in it.
1: I, I too am curious about sort of how the UI and, um, resizing will work for that. I saw, I was Reading the um, Verge live reporting that was happening during the Windows 11 event, and one of the reporters called out that, um, you know, this is something you can do on Chrome OS, but the experience isn't great because a lot of the apps just aren't, you know, made to run on desktops. So it's, it's not, uh, they're not optimized for it. It's you can't really read yeah. things. Yeah.
0: Well, that's it. I mean, if you wanted to do it, you just go and emulate. You, know, you run an emulator and you, and you deploy the app to, it and you'll just see how bad it is. Because the app, I mean, if it's, if it's an app for your phone, it's designed for, it's, it's designed for use with your thumbs, um, which is a completely different experience to having a keyboard and a mouse, and even a touchscreen if you've got a touchscreen um, to work with. Um, so I, I can't see the value for the apps unless, like I say, it's an emergency situation. Um, however, if you're deploying to one app store and the app store is containing the three different faces or, or UIs, yeah, that would make sense. Um, and there's one delivery mechanism that, that would make sense to me.
1: I saw a lot of people excited about it and I wonder if it was more from, yeah, the developer side of yes, we can, you know, there's less, um, need to develop for all those different platforms
0: i mean we're going a little bit of 11 at this stage but but i'm looking at a new framework or I say new it's, it's been around for a little bit called flutter um which which has got the ability to write once deploy on any platform uh but you still have to build i still think you have to build the screens per platform but at least your core libraries are or your core development code um is, is centralized and common across. But, you know, I remember when, when Xamarin was being put together, Xamarin. Yes. When Xamarin was, was, was bought by Microsoft. Um, and that was one of the first sort of multi-platform multi-delivery things. Um, there were still guys that were saying that yes, it might cut down your dev time because you can share the code between Android and iOS, but you are also sharing a whole bunch of stuff you don't need to share because you've, you basically got common libraries that are just, huge, um, and I'm talking huge in relative terms, uh, that if you just wrote the native app, so it's great if you want to do a prototype, which your production app would still be written in a native thing to get the best performance and reduce the size of the application, all that kind of stuff. So I still see, you know, problems in that, in that space. Um, one of the things that I did like about windows 11, which I'm curious if it'll make it across to the Mac is the incorporation of some of the teams features. Um, and I was chatting with, with Tom, uh, Abernoth by email, cause he said that email saying that, that, teams will be half the memory usage and half the resource usage, and I was asking, him, do you think he'll get to the Mac? And he wasn't sure because one of the reasons why teams is so heavy is it's built in electron. Uh, which is another framework, um, and that's where this, the memory utilization problem comes from. So now the the new version, which is based on uh, a, a sort of an, in, in, uh, inside of Microsoft Edge, I think it's called Edge View, um, is much closer to Microsoft's control, so they can control the performance, which which would be great because if if you can cut down the the overhead of Teams, which we spend most of our lives in, it seems that's great for experience, and that's and that's what we want.
1: That's one of the features I'm looking forward to as well. And something we hadn't really even touched on at all in our predictions, but I guess two things there. So also really excited to see the team's um, client rebuilt or, you know, however optimized on the new platform so that um, it's not so memory hungry. And it was interesting reading Tom's article because he was talking about how this is just a problem for um, sort of Chromium things in general, which makes sense. I mean, I use Chrome as my primary browser, I thought super memory hungry. I use teams all the time. So my memory is just constantly being crushed. And, um, as you know, I have the software to be able to look and see what are the top things that are impacting my system. Um, and I see teams hogging memory all the time. So I, I am like interested to watch that change um, and really see how big of a difference it makes. So
0: I, I found switching from Chrome to Brave to be quite a good move from a performance point of view. Sorry, I'm got a helicopter flying whilst... Um So I found, I found Brave has made a big difference to memory utilization and I found that um, If you use teams, not use pop out chats, that seems to help reduce um, the memory load. I
1: already don't do that. So can't change my behavior there, but, but yeah, I think, you know, I might actually try out the new edge that they were showing um, once that's out because of the, I'm excited about the vertical tabs. as someone who tends to have tab explosion, um, because I'm often writing, I, I write a lot of things. So, um, and, and work on a lot of just content. So I'll have, um, I tend to have the desktop versions of the, um, office 365 apps open because I am not such a fan of the online versions. Um, So I'll have those all open at once generally, and then I'll have uh, uh, maybe, maybe I'll use the word online or something like that if I'm reviewing someone else's document, and then I'm researching all these different topics. I'll bring up news articles. If I see my company mentioned in things, I'll have those up to read later. So I tend to just, you know, the tabs just explode before you know it. And then one of the things that's really ridiculous about that that I've noticed is that once you have too many and you can't tell what they are anymore you might have well at least i will have the same thing open multiple times because i didn't remember that i still had it open and then the fastest way is just to search for it so perhaps by organizing them vertically and still being able to read the top of the tab um it can help my tab explosion a little bit which in turn could drive down the memory and then i'm just gonna have great performance but before we um before you entirely move off Teams, I did want to go back to the sort of integrated nature of Teams for Windows 11 and how uh, they're like fully, you know, replacing Skype at this point, it seems with this new Teams that will have the ability to do more simple, just one on one chats and calling and the experience that they showed in the demo looks really cool. I thought um, more of like a FaceTime.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's, you're right, that's, and that's exactly what it looks like. It looks like they are finally getting the the basics, which which you get in the macOS now, which is uh, iMessage, FaceTime, and a, and a good stable, simple operating system. I think they're getting that part right. Um, and it's, not a, and it's, and it's a great model to copy. Um, and I think there was a couple other things around around the gaming side with uh, Auto HDR, which which looked quite good. Um, the only thing that that I heard there were some issues with from a gaming point of view was this this need to have a TPM version two chip in your motherboard. Um, some chips have that as has as an optional feature you can turn on, which will probably be fine for them. But it, it does seem to push people down a new new PC route, um, which I don't know if that's by design or, or just a case if they. One of me is set a minimum standard and that's and TPM two is one of those minimums.
1: My, um, my partner's affected by this. So he built his gaming PC last year and he's like, you can still buy this exact same build. And now it's not, you know, windows, um, 11 ready or whatnot, but yeah, he's going to see if he can do the thing to just enable it because, if it's, um, um, yeah, I think, I think it's the
0: Intel's that you can't. I think Intel's you need to, it's a new chip and I think, it, and I think if I remember correctly, the AMD's you can enable it's called um, uh, it starts with an F I think it's F, F, uh, TPM or, or something like that and it's, yeah, I mean I think that's going to be, the, I think the manufacturers of those motherboards will have to come up with something, some sort of firmware upgrade uh, might be a software version of a TPM but that might be the way to save those those, de- those devices mm-hmm.
1: yeah i think he has an intel chip so a little out of luck out of luck there perhaps
0: yeah i must have i haven't bought intel for a long time um and, and one of the reasons has been they almost slow down on, on on in innovation yeah I think that was all we had for. I'm trying to remember what we spoke about on Friday. So frustrating because, you know, obviously, when we prepared for that meeting, I had uh, listened to a whole bunch of other people's thoughts as well. So I had a whole lot of information in my head.
1: Yeah, I'm looking over my notes. I mean, um, those were definitely the highlights of the new. Yeah, I suppose
0: the other thing is is that they are expecting it to start rolling out in October. Yes. Uh, probably for the Christmas holidays, which, which kind of leans again to trying to trying to push for a new PC purchase. Um, not that people didn't buy a lot of PCs during the pandemic. Um, but maybe that's, that's why it's what it's tied to.
1: Yeah. Which is interesting. I mean, now that you mentioned, you know, buying PCs during the pandemic, I know we're still, there's still a chip shortage, right? So yeah, I wonder from that angle, how much hardware sales can, um, yeah, how that's going. And what will happen there. Um, so you had asked me in the predictions call if I would um, run Windows 11 if I could today, if I would try it out. So I'm going to turn that question over to back to you, Ryan. Would you, now that we know what it looks like, would you try it out?
0: Um, well, I'm kind of stuck that I have to um because most of my users are windows users so i still have to look at this kind of stuff but from a personal point of view not a chance um i, I find the the, the app the apple ecosystem just so good um and this is probably one of the things that's driven microsoft catching a wake up um and fixing well improving windows 10 to windows 11. Um, you, you, you know, nowadays you can get the apps you need on the Mac ecosystem um, that we used that used to only be Windows available. Um, now that's not to say that I won't come across an app in the future that I'm going to be like, oh damn, this is Microsoft Project that only works on a Windows device, or Microsoft Visio that only works. Like, I can actually know allow that sort of browser now as well, but that used to only work on Windows. And at least with the old Macs. You know the Intel-based ones, you could do a, a dual boot and you could have a Windows build and you could do the stuff. That. You, you won't be able to do that now. If I had to have a Windows machine, it would be a hosted Windows machine. Um, so, you know, we're looking quite heavily at, at Azure um, Virtual Desktop, uh, finally. Um, so that's what I would have, and I would only use it if I had to, like some specific thing. Uh, and there are tools like SQLs, SQL sequel client tools that are quite, you know, that's quite a good experience to work in. Um, but other than that, the, the 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 cons are just greater than the pros of staying on in, in a Mac. So it might wow. be pretty, but it's still lipstick on a pig.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Gotta bring it back to that. That'll be the third time that's in this episode. <laughs> All right. Um well, I think we've captured, uh, most of what we, uh, most of the interesting observations we had captured the first time around. Um, hopefully it was, uh, entertaining for folks and, um, you know, yeah, I'm excited to try it out, you know, especially the new teams really looking forward to seeing that experience. Yeah.
0: You want look, I mean, I think from a curiosity point of view, I'm definitely going to give it a look. Uh-huh. Um, but, but my, you know, maybe, I, maybe I'm becoming old and grey and, um, what's that, that, uh, that is, there's a phrase, I can not know what the phrase is, um, grouchy, I'll just say grouchy for,
1: for the sake <laughs> of
0: Yeah, but, but the, you know, I've seen this movie before, we have a new windows, so we all get excited, then we get it and we're like, oh, well, this is, you know, three weeks into using it, things start breaking again or things are unstable. stable. So I think, I think we'll see, I think we'll see, um, my in-laws have got new laptops now, so that'll be my, my test case.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely see for the, um, what are those performance and stability and whether the update changes kind of, uh, yeah, move on from the the major complaints people had with Windows 10.
0: So yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cool. Should we ended up there?
1: I think that's good.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspaceworks. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.